Welcome to the weekly podcast brought to you by Calvary Bible Church with your host, Jay. I have my good friend Thomas in the booth today. We're going to have a great show for you. It is November, heading into Thanksgiving. Just a reminder, next week there will be no weekly. We're on Thanksgiving break. We're like y'all. We're just eating turkey, eating the birds, and watching football. Wait, you don't actually eat turkey, though, do you, for Thanksgiving? Historically, yes. In the modern era, no. (laughs) (laughs) You know, let's just be honest. I don't cook the bird. Okay, and I haven't never, never, I'm I'm approaching 40 and I've never cooked the bird for Thanksgiving, okay? I've actually, actually, never mind, I have actually. Uh, anyways, let's be careful. <laughs> so do you feel like you but should have cooked the bird at some my point? My sister-in-law, who historically is now the head of Thanksgiving dinner year in and year out. She's the Pope. Yeah. She decrees all the laws for yes. Thanksgiving Day. Um, she's done with turkey, and so now we eat just chicken. <laughs> we do, like, really nice, like, you know, chicken stuff. Uh, yeah, basing the chicken, and we do everything like the bird, but it's not the bird. Why? What's the point? Because it's not turkey. Turkey is not that great of a meat. All right. The, I, like, I would like to, to <laughs> offer. Unless it's smoked by someone in Texas overnight, then turkey is the best. That's my de- my declaration. I will eat turkey if it's smoked from a Texan in Texas on Thanksgiving. <laughs> oh my gosh. What if I offered to make you a bird? And, that, then, and then you you bring your Thanksgiving chicken yeah. over to my house. Well, I'm not cooking the chicken. So. Just whatever it is. Whatever yeah. it's leftovers. Yeah. And then we do like a taste test. Yeah. I would I would be I mean I've I've eaten the you're cooking before, so I'm sure it's fantastic. I'm just wondering, like, if the problem is not the turkey, it's just been, <laughs> it's been a lack of. No, my my sister in law yeah. is a great cook, like a really good. And my brother in law really is sort of the man behind the scenes there, but they're great cooks. So we have okay, great okay. food. Yeah, we have like fantastic food. Yeah, you all know, right, all right, all right. it, it might have. It there's another story here. I mean, this is the weekly, so might as well just confessional. Do tell. Um, Years ago, she would make the turkey, and then I would bring over steak, and I would turn on the grill like 30 (laughs) minutes out, which is absolutely rude, and I've apologized over the years. Did you know it was rude when you were doing it? (laughs) I was young and dumb, my friend. (laughs) I had no wisdom in me yet. Yeah. Um, But she might have said, you know, it's not worth the fight anymore. I just like I like steak on Thanksgiving. That's a really it's the cheapest day of the year yeah. to eat steak. I like steak all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take oh, it anytime, anytime. All right. So, what is the thing that is on the Thanksgiving table? Oh yeah, that you're like hard pass. We want to hear from you here at Calvary. So write us at theweekly at calvarybible.com. What's your favorite dish on the Thanksgiving table? Mine is probably mashed potatoes. All right. Yeah. That's a good staple. Yeah. Mashed potatoes and rolls, you know, like just carbs. I'm a carb guy. I love my carbs. Empty carbs. Complex carbs. I love carbs. That's my love language. Okay, what about you? What's your favorite thing on the Thanksgiving table? I'll take anything. I won't pass up anything. Yeah. Yeah. I won't pass up anything either. If it's a fruitcake, down. Jello mold, 
Yep. Pass it. I'll take seconds. Cranberry coming out of the can. Absolutely. Yeah, totally. I'll I'll take that all day. Gosh, yeah. Beets. Yeah, beets. I'll do beets. Yep. You know, I also like stuffing. Stuffing's awesome. Mm-hmm. Stuffing. Stuffing with turkey in it is even better. Stir- stuffing with a bread roll and mashed potatoes. <laughs> yeah, no <laughs> doubt. <laughs> no doubt. All right, all, all right. right. Hey, what's happening here at Calvary? You want to check out calvarybible.com. There's a lot of great plans. There's a lot of great things happening this Christmas season, as we turn the corner from Thanksgiving into Christmas, that's when we will be recording next, the weekly as well. But there's a lot of things happening here at Calvary. You want to go to calvarybible.com, find out when your service times are happening on each of your campuses, as well as we have the ladies' brunch happening. We have um, a great family-friendly Christmas pageant production happening on the Erie campus, as well as we have campfires and carols happening on the campuses. So you want to don't miss, just don't miss this Christmas season. Get connected, stay plugged in. Do not neglect meeting together. That's right, Thomas, right? Chapter 10 of Hebrews. That's right. That's what we were talking about on Sunday. Yeah. And so Calvary Christmas is one of the best seasons at Calvary. One of the most faith-filled seasons um, that I just love here at Calvary. And going into my actually sixth Calvary Christmas, I'm excited once again for a, just another great season. All right. All right, buddy. Calvarybible.com, man. Or the Church Center app. I love the Church Center app. Have you been using the Church Center app? I, I have it on my phone. Yeah. Yeah. I like it a lot. Prayer requests, online giving. Uh, you can find the weekly there. So some people might be listening through the Church Center app. Sweet. I know. But you can also find other messages. You know, I I think it's useful sometimes when you you listen to a sermon here at Calvary, and you're like, oh, I have a lot of questions to maybe go to another campus and listen to sort of their take mm-hmm. over that text too. I think that's sort of helpful. Not every week. I wouldn't say be, don't listen to all of them. Um, you don't need to. Uh, there's so much faithful gospel center preaching here at Calvary. I'm just saying that if you're, if you're wrestling with a section or a text or a sermon, that might be another way to hit up See what God's doing in your life. I like how Calvary has structured ourselves with campus pastors, so live teaching on all the campuses, mm-hmm. um, local leadership, right. mm-hmm. uh, and then you know we're, we're preaching the same text, we're kind of on the same rhythm, but each pastor brings their own flavor, like they they cook their own meal and bring it. So I think you're right on. If if you're ever in Erie and you're like, man, that was confusing, <laughs> <laughs> I should probably grab yeah. Tom or Zach mm-hmm. hear what they had to say. Yeah, and you know, this this work happened years ago to just a really faithful young man who digitized our archive of all our sermons here at Calvary. So you can actually, if you're interested in studying a book, uh, you want to go to calvarybible.com, the sermons, archives, and maybe more than likely we've preached over certain texts in that book at least or the whole book itself. That's another great way to resource yourself to... Uh, deepen your understanding of God's word, God's life. And there was a faithful young man who listened to all those sermons, tagged them digitally so that could happen for you. And it's a great resource. I find it super helpful. Thanks, Beck. Yeah, that's great. Okay, let's jump into Hebrews 10. This is a great, I keep saying great today. Maybe it's because I know that food and football are happening next week. <laughs> yeah. So I'm I'm energized. Uh but you know Hebrews 10, we've we sort of turned this corner. We talked about it a little bit last week with John into these like deep 
truths of God, these theological things about who Jesus was from probably chapter four on to about nine. And now we're turning the corner into some really practical life application. Um, and we're making our way out of this, these sort of this grounding of who Jesus is and who his character remind continues to encourage us and remind us of our faithfulness to God and how he's sustaining us. So Hebrews 10, it has one of the most famous passages in all of Hebrews in it, right? Would you say that would be it? Do I, not neglect. Yeah, I would probably most well-known. Well-known. Yeah, more known. Um, but it also has some unique things in it. And one of the things that caught my attention when I was reading this, and I'm really curious, Thomas, um, it says the Holy Spirit says or testifies, and it's in verse 15, I think, is when I caught it the first time, and it happens in 17, then happens further on. How interesting is it that like the whole scope of the Trinity is talked about when it's the Bible being written? Yeah. So if you don't know the word Trinity or triune yeah. God is never mentioned in the Bible. Trinity meaning three. So That's helpful. One yeah. God in three persons. And so we, we have a theology of Trinity. We have a Trinitarian theology of God, the Godhead. And it's just alluded to in scripture in various places. And you're right, like verse 15, the Holy Spirit also bears witness to us mm. for after saying, and then he, he takes an Old Testament passage here. And he's just attributing the Old Testament scriptures, God speaking to the Holy Spirit. So there's the the outpouring, the mouthpiece of God as the Holy Spirit. I think Peter picks it up uh, in his letter. Yeah, First Peter. That's one of the most famous texts, too, of that. Yeah. Light, yeah. So... Let's see here. Second Peter. Uh, oh, sorry. Second Peter. Second Peter one twenty one. Okay. I was just gonna like let that go. I, Second Peter one. Oh, it's the one that caught me. Yeah, it's chapter one. Uh, right. Peter just says, you know, no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So yeah, it, it's fun when you start seeing Father, Spirit, Son being used to talk about. Revelations that God has done, the resurrection of Jesus, um, the birth of Jesus, the salvation, rebirth of the Christian. Oh man, it's, it's Father, Son, and Spirit work. It's the full Godhead. So, what does that mean for like my everyday life? That when I see that in Scripture, or when I'm I notice it, what does it sort of do to my faith? What does it sort of confirm in me, or what is it supposed to do? That's a good in my daily life. That's a good question. What does it do for you? <laughs> that's not, you're the expert, man. <laughs> not at all. I said first Peter. You said second Peter. You were right. Uh, I think first. I mean, I don't know what it does for you personally, but I think for me, it it helps me not neglect the fullness of who God is. I think okay. there's so much that just says God, Son, and we don't have a real robust um, Trinitarian practice mm -hmm. of what what is the what is the Holy Spirit's role? I mean, Jesus says, it's better that I go. It's yeah. better that I go so that the Spirit would come. And then we don't talk much about the Spirit. Yeah. So I think first and foremost is just recognizing the Spirit's work in and through Scripture and then in my own life, like paying attention to the Spirit is ultimate counselor. The Spirit's going to remind me of these truths. The Spirit is going to move inside me and you know reveal to me God's will. Um, I, I have to worship God in both truth and spirit. So I can't even be a worshiper of God without spirit. So I think first and foremost, it's just a, an increased awareness of the spiritual life because of the role of the Holy Spirit in my life. 
Yeah, I think that's a really good. I think for me, encouraging me, encouraging me to know like the Holy Spirit's role throughout God's story is profound. But it also reminds me, like you're saying, that that Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, the same Spirit is alive in me. And that it gives me a weight of like, maybe that I'm actually, my identity's different than I thought it would be because I actually do have the Holy Spirit. It's a deposit, a guarantee of our inheritance, but it also is a shaping, forming identity piece that like, you know, God found me special enough that he would deposit the Holy Spirit in me. The same one that wrote the Bible, the same one that helped them write the Bible, the same one that uh, Jesus left so I could get, all those type of things. It shows me my value maybe and in some ways that uh, sometimes we don't think about. Yeah, I think another way it does for me, and we'll see it this week as we unpack chapter 11, is it, it places me in God's eternal story. Yeah. So from beginning to end is Father, Son, Spirit, right? So first pages of Genesis, God creates spirits over the water by his word, Jesus, he speaks. That's the same God that I'm meeting with and speaking with today. Mm-hmm. And how, how awesome is that to think the one that spoke with Moses is the one I speak with today. Mm-hmm. The spirit that came upon David is the same spirit that is indwelling me. Mm-hmm. And so it just puts me into the story of God. Yeah. You know, in my life group, this came up and we made the point of like, how interesting, especially with the book of Hebrews is that you see like how amazingly defined our faith is after the cross, the resurrection, the new Testament writings and like all this stuff that we've seen or we inherited. And then knowing that like Moses and Abraham and um, David and Solomon didn't get to see all the completions of what we get to see here in the New Testament and understand in our faith over 2,000 years of this living out. I think that's really, really a fascinating idea of like, we are so privileged to inherit such a deep faith and a rich faith that's flushed out in so much detail. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think that's why in chapter 10 here, there's, there's five kind of warnings in Hebrews about not falling away, not going back to the sacrificial system of Judaism, and not forsaking Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And here in chapter 10, that warning is, is amplified in the, in the example of, hey, look at those who turned away from the law of Moses, who set aside the law of Moses. It's a reference back to the wilderness wanderings where they said, okay, we're, there's a group of people that say we're done with God. Let's, let's go, we're going to go find ourselves new gods. Having, after having seen God's deliverance and God's provision and God's protection, they say we reject God and we're going to go find new gods. And the result of that was they were put to death. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, here in Hebrew says, how much greater, how much greater is the consequence going to be for those who have trampled on all those things you just talked about, the benefits that they were all looking for that we're living out of, how much greater is it going to be for the one that, that tramples and sets aside the Son of God and the gospel and the grace and the Holy Spirit? Yeah, and verse 31 is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. Sort of the final that punchline, you know? Yeah, we, we kind of pulled that apart on Sunday. Where it's, it's interesting that our text that we were looking at um, starts off with, hey, look at how, what Christ has done. You who embrace Christ and are marked by the, the life of Jesus, 
Now, draw in, like get in here, huddle up. Um, this is intimate relationship with God the Father in the holiest of holies, where only one person in the whole Old, old Covenant sacrificial system could even dare to go once a year. And now this is an open invitation, 24-7, you, get, you come in. Yeah. And don't come in with any fear. Like, come in here confidently because you know shame and guilt and sin is all washed away. So come in here like a confident child into their parents' presence. But if you don't know Christ, if you reject Christ, then you're falling in the hands of a God mm-hmm. that you're not going to want to be in. Yep. That's amazing. It's a really good counterbalance to what we have and what's beyond. It's really good. What do you think is... You know, as you as you wrestled with this text, as you preached this text, as you prayed for this text, as you had the conversations post this, this text, what do you think are some of the real implications for your own life? You know, like the deep sort of like, okay, I, I can't forget this, or, you know, I, I'm assured of this, or what are some of those implications that you really came out of in the last couple of days after preaching the text? Maybe most evidently, perhaps because of the last 18 months and quarantining and just watching how churches operate and some Christians just kind of left uh, the fellowship. I think this text specifically on three things of this is what Christ has done. So let us draw near, Mm -hmm. let us hold fast, and let us stir up one another towards love and good deeds. Just the idea of the let us. Mm -hmm. So... It's not about you individually. Mm-hmm. It's corporately we do these things. So, man, look, at God has sanctified a group of people. He's purified a group of people. Now let us, as a group of people, draw near. And so don't forsake the gathering. Um, draw near together. Hold fast together. Stir one another up. And just thinking about how Christians get stirred up on so many things. People get stirred up. Talked about this a little bit on Sunday where, uh, you know, Everyone's trying to get stirred up. There's every politician, every news outlet to try, keep your attention wants to stir you up. Right. But usually it's, here's a headline. This is why it's really bad. And this is who you should be angry at and who you should blame. And they stir you up towards fear, anxiety, worry. It's like the Christian should be stirring one another up to love. Mm-hmm. And the result of that love is not just idle love, but active love of good deeds and good works. And one of those things of just not forsaking where he says, don't forsake the getting together, the meeting together. And, you know, I, I kind of said this tongue in cheek, but, you know, Starbucks church isn't real church. Mm-hmm. Um, me and my cup of coffee and my favorite, you know, message online is not what church is. Yeah. And it's hard right now because we're, we're trying to keep people safe and we're trying to, you know, limit exposures to people. And you're trying to process how to do that best. People have underlying conditions and so they, they need to be home. And so we're trying to create the best ministries for those who are you know homebound right now to feel connected to the body. So can we use some tools online to do that? Um, but we don't want anyone to be an isolated Christian. Mm-hmm. Even if technology is the, the piece that connects us, we still need to be a connected Christian. So I think that's most of what has just weighed on me is it's not about my individual pursuit necessarily of God. Mm-hmm. Yes, is an individual decision, but it's the let us. Like, we're doing this together. Yeah, that's so true, man. I can see that, you know, in this this last year of, like, you know, those who, those who not only to survive a pandemic, but almost sometimes even thrive in a pandemic, are those who have a community that is sacrificial. So they show up when it's hard to show up. They're prayerful. They're praying through 
those seasons of ups and downs and disappointments and joys. And they're people that get around God's word and remind each other once again, hey, this is what God says. This is not what the news says. This is not what your friend says. This is not the conversation you're having at the family gathering for the year. This is what God says. And I think that's super essential to not even survive a pandemic, but thrive in it in some ways. Yeah, there's been a lot of research. We, we mentioned one research um, findings on Sunday about just the, the local gathering of the religious community. I thought this was really interesting, just as a just a perspective. Yeah, and this, this is like Christian researchers, non-Christian, like you know, um, uh, secular research as well, connected to Harvard and um, social scientists and clinicians that are just talking about, hey, we're watching people who gather in religious services and have a regular attendance. There's a greater longevity, less depression, less suicide, less smoking, less substance abuse, better cancer and cardiovascular disease survival, less divorce, a greater social support, greater meaning in life, greater life satisfaction, more volunteering, and greater civic engagement. And then specifically, it was talking about those who are in the medical field and how they just have this incredible um, resilience to work with people on the front lines. Mm-hmm. Um, as opposed to those who don't attend religious services. And that's just like just peripheral benefits, right? We're yeah. not even talking about the, the core spiritual strengthening the inner man. We're talking about just physical health mm-hmm. and peripheral benefits of your life. Yeah, because, I mean, we we worship a living God who is about life. So obviously, you know, the peripheral benefits would be life and life and cardiovascular. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> life and, you know. Civic engagement and life and all these things that make us human beings, I think, are it's really cool. So there's there's more research coming out talking about just has, as Christians have felt probably across the board as isolated, alone as the world at large. But after the pandemic, the Christian is the one that's feeling very much far far more engaged mm-hmm. and supported and known than the world that has not gathered around. That they would say a religious service right we would say around christ yeah so i think just that 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 does a challenge say even if it is challenging we need to be together yeah. in some way and we, we said this on sunday too like it's so wonderful to have the large corporate gathering on the weekend i love it like just to have a a, a big huge room filled with lots of people but it doesn't substitute for us also gathering in smaller groups in groups that know how my marriage is doing you know know what my struggles are um, are are calling me out because they know the habits that I can fall back into. They're no, they know my prayer requests. They know my hopes, my dreams, you know, all of that stuff um, to be known somewhere. And so, yes, the Sunday service, the corporate worship is beautiful, but also to be known in a smaller community, whether that life groups, men group, men's groups, women's groups, um, where you actually share, like, this is how God is, is working in my life right now. Mm-hmm. This is my struggle. These are my doubts. These are the questions that I have. And to pray with people. It's just important to be known somewhere. Yeah, man. I'm the community life guy. I'm like, yeah, let's record this and (laughs) ship it out to everyone. (laughs) Everyone get in the life group. Get in the Bible study. Get in the women's, men's group. Find your community. And we have online communities too. So that's the bet. Like if if you are at home and you've been listening to this or you're listening to this from somewhere where you can't attend a physical campus, know that our online um, service has an online community. So you can actually get, get, grab that live on Sunday mornings, mm-hmm. chat back and forth, and get put into an online community where you are known. Right. That's right, man. That's so good. Okay. 
you know, one of the things I saw in this text, and you, you mentioned a little bit, is faith, hope, and love. How do you think the writer of Hebrews, you think he was or they were influenced by Paul's sort of theology of faith, hope, and love? Did you see any connections there? Or, you know, sometimes we attribute the writing of Hebrews to Paul. Um, I think just from a J. Ewing perspective, that's a little doubtful based upon language, Greek. But um, I could see why you could say that. But, like, do you think this is just a new first century thing, or is this a very Pauline type of idea? Well, from you, your reflections. Yeah, if you don't go with Paul being the author, right? which historical Christianity says Paul's the author, but modern scholarship <laughs> says we have, some, we have some question marks. I'm in the wrong stream, I guess. <laughs> no, I, I don't think Paul wrote it either. But uh, So your, your two next candidates, and probably anyone you would say is well-versed, not only in their scriptures, but also in Pauline theology. Like They're probably good buds with Paul. Yeah. So the best two candidates for this is, is probably Barnabas, or Apollos, um, the, the the benefit of Apollos being the author in this one, just to throw this out there. Yeah, is, we haven't uh, talked about authorship. Yeah, yet. yeah. So this is good. Comes kind of from a priestly line, mm-hmm. and what's the majority of Hebrews about? Yeah, priests. Yeah, yeah. priests. And I stuff. Make, that's a good. Uh, so you got, super interesting. You get a really well-educated scholarly person there who rubs shoulders a lot with Paul, probably picked up a lot from Paul, and kind of has that background bent. Mm-hmm. That could be it. Um, maybe not. Yeah, but. Uh, you know, whether it's Pauline or just New Testament, you know, faith, hope, and love, that is the trifecta of Christian faith, mm-hmm. isn't it? Yeah. The things that we talk about all the time is faith, hope, and love, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. Mm-hmm. Um, because in some respects, faith and hope will go. When we see Christ face to face, I won't necessarily need to have faith. Mm-hmm. And my hopes will be realized. So what will endure forever is love. Mm-hmm. So I think that's why we're always encouraged to spur one another up, stir them up, encourage them towards love. That leads to good works. Hmm. And good works is just that banner for all kinds of good activity. Yeah. Activity of reconciliation, generosity, forgiveness, you know, all of that. Yeah. And it's a great reminder as we go into maybe gathering with our families for the first time in 18, 19 months that we've got to move in love. <laughs> <laughs> I got to love y'all. <laughs> You're my family. But wouldn't that be cool is just to think if everyone in our community who knew a Christian that came to Calvary, mm-hmm. let's just say a Christian that attended a local church and said, man, those Christians are always stirred up to love. Mm-hmm. Like they're always just stirred up. to. Just, they're always loving people, yeah. thinking of creative ways to love people. Giving sacrificially, loving sacrificially. Yeah. yeah. That'd be amazing. Unfortunately, when people <laughs> think of Christians being stirred up, it doesn't always lead to love, but, but that's what we want. We yeah, want to and to love. you know, the New Testament talks about being the aroma of Christ, and that's what it's summing up, right? Just that we we smell like Him, you know. We just we just ooze them out in what we do, and I think that's a great reminder for us, all of us, as we get ready for Thanksgiving and as we get ready for the holiday season, as we get ready in our just daily life that we're here, put on planet Earth. In response to being loved, we need to love others. I think that's really foundational to how we should pray, how should we live, how we should think about today and tomorrow. Yeah, and, and I don't think it's possible to do it outside of the, the inner working of the Holy Spirit, right? Right, and the community spurring you on. I was going to say, so if you take anything away from Sunday or from this week's podcast, it's, okay, these are three things that 
I do, therefore, in light of all the, th- the theological weight of what Christ has accomplished, therefore, I, you know, I, I draw in. I just get as near to God as possible. And then I hold fast. I hold on to that conviction, and then I'm stirring up other people um, to love and good deeds. So those, those are what, that's what I do in response of Christ's great work. And we do it together. I'm not going to do it alone. I'm glad I'm doing it with you. It's fun, Absolutely. Man. Super fun. Hey, Calvary, we're so thankful you jumped in this conversation this week. Like always, if you want some clarity on what we said, you're like, y'all are really unclear here. You need to go to theweekly@calvarybible.com. Reach out to us. We'd love to answer your questions. If you see strange things in your Bible text that you're like, I do not understand this, hit us up. We would love to talk about them on this podcast at theweekly@calvarybible.com. Also, we hope you have a great Thanksgiving break. We we're praying for you, praying that you would move in love, that you would respond in love, and that we would be a people that gather um, so that we will not not forget these great realities of who we are. All right, Thomas, we're out, right? Happy Thanksgiving. See you for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs>